you have a Bible, we are going to look at a few scriptures this morning. Uh, the first from the prophet Jeremiah, which is after Psalms and after Isaiah. So about a little over halfway through your Bible, or you can pull it up on your phone. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 8. And I know I said that this series that we're in called Dangerous Prayers, I was only going to spend about three weeks on it, but I feel like I want to do a few more weeks. So this is week three. We're going to do a couple more. We're going to stick with that because there are lots and lots of dangerous prayers in the Bible. We've already looked at two in particular. The first week we looked at a prayer, make me bold. And then the second one was Lord last week, speak to me. And at first glance, those don't seem dangerous until we start to think about what that actually means. What does it mean if the Lord gives you boldness that you might not normally have? What does it mean when the Lord speaks to you? What requirements does that put on you when the Lord speaks? So that's what we've looked at so far. Now the prayer that we are zeroing in on today is certainly not one that you're gonna see on TV. You probably would not see it on a worship service on TV at all. And you will very rarely hear it proclaimed in a crowd, especially in a big service. And it's this, Lord, break my heart. Now, I was working on this, and, um, and then I got the call from Hope, and I went over to the hospital, and I told Huey, you know, I was working on this, but this is not literally what I hoped would happen to you this week, and this is what happened to him, literally. And so it really kind of put it in a different light for me just in the last 24 hours. Break my heart. In other words, strip me of all that keeps me from doing your will. Strip me of comfort, ease, spiritual apathy, whatever is keeping me blind or deaf to the world around me and especially for the things that move God's heart. Now, we're not talking about every kind of heartbreak here. We're talking about some specific kinds of breaking. It's a prayer that we don't often pray because our hearts are actually fragile. Some of you are aware of that more than others from an actual physical standpoint. Our hearts are fragile. We are stubborn. We don't want to hurt and we certainly don't like to deal with more pain. So asking Lord to break our heart, sometimes we'll invite more of that. And we don't like that. Yet when you are bold enough to pray this simple prayer, God will answer it. And if you lean into that breaking, on the other side, there may be something more hopeful for you but it's going to require going through pain, just like Jesus had to go through the pain of crucifixion in order to get to the other side and be raised to new life. You may find yourself hurting when you pray this prayer, and your heart aches over what burdens and grieves God's heart on behalf of the world he loves. You may lose sleep as God shows you his concerns or as I had a conversation with my wife the other day, 
when it comes to other areas of your life, sometimes there are things that keep you up at night. And so one of those questions you can ask, maybe it's in a work setting even, what keeps you up at night? What wakes you up at night? Not just the things that you wake up anxious about, but in this sense, what are the burdens that God has placed on your heart that are designed to move you to act? When you act and you take up the concerns that God has for his world, you may find resistance from the people around you. You might find opposition or criticism, even persecution, as we sometimes see in the Bible especially. Yet amid all this pain and discomfort, Lord, break my heart, you also discover joy as God extends his mercy and care. And you have the opportunity to be a blessing to this world. When our hearts break like God's heart, we grow closer to Christ. And when we grow closer to Christ, we become more like him and less like ourselves. Today I want to begin with Jeremiah. Jeremiah, as some of our kids already know, was known as the weeping prophet, not just because he was tear teary or had you know bad tear ducts, the weeping prophet because he was so burdened for his people over their plight. He was so concerned about them and he was heartbroken. Now during his life, Jeremiah can sometimes be a hard book of the Bible to read because a lot of things are going wrong. During Jeremiah's life alone, his people were rebelling, leaders were abusing their authority, they were taking advantage of those who were helpless, they were not accepting responsibility, and it even gets worse. People were following other gods, and it gets even worse. They were sacrificing children to these other gods, and it broke Jeremiah's heart, as it should, because it was already breaking the heart of God. We see the heartbreak in chapter 8 of Jeremiah. Let me read verses 18 through 22. This is what it says. This is the New Living Translation, by the way. My grief is beyond healing. Maybe you've experienced this before. My grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. Listen to the weeping of my people. It can be heard all across the land. And then the people say, has the Lord abandoned Jerusalem? The people ask, is her king no longer there? And this is what God says in reply. Why have they provoked my anger with their carved idols and their worthless foreign gods, says the Lord? The people say, the harvest is finished and the summer is gone, yet we are not saved. And then Jeremiah concludes by saying this, I hurt with the hurt of my people. Some Bible translations will say, I am crushed because my people are crushed. I mourn and am overcome with grief. Is there no medicine in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why is there no healing for the wounds of my people? These were the verses I was reading when I got that call from Hope yesterday. Oh, wow. So it really 
you know, it's like the Lord, we don't like his timing, but sometimes he puts things right exactly where they're supposed to be. The prophet says his grief is beyond healing. There is no repair. I hurt as they hurt. I mourn. My heart is crushed. So Jeremiah did what he knew to do. He prayed. He fasted. He stood strong. He, he urged his people to change their ways. He did all he could reach, do to reach them. And guess what? Things did not change. And it must have been very demoralizing for him. And so he says, my grief is unbearable. My heart is broken. The heartbreak he speaks of is not about the heartbreak that sometimes we have where we're just, we're mildly annoyed at something or we're momentarily sad about something. It's a deeper kind of heartbreak. What we're talking about here is a gut-wrenching burden for what burdens the heart of God. For the world that God loves, it's a burden that doesn't let up or go away. It's like something that sticks in your gut and just gnaws at you with that thought that you can't keep out of your mind. I know sometimes when I've talked with people, they feel burdens like this, for instance, for their children. Or they have a burden for a loved one or a family member who they would love to seek and find the Lord. It's something that gnaws at you until you are compelled to act because of the pain you feel. Now, in all honesty, this is not something we, not, we normally want to do or like. We don't want to lean into this because sometimes, quite honestly, we're not in a place where we can really feel appropriately. The pain is too intense at times, and we can acknowledge that. We actually, in, in our culture day, today, are programmed to avoid pain, to avoid grief and heartbreak at all costs, not just biologically, but also emotionally and spiritually. And sometimes that pain will come back with a vengeance when we least expect it. This is the opposite of a mistaken form of Christianity that I've been seeing in our, in this country especially, I think it's a misguided form, where the message is this, God is primarily here to bless you and make your life easier and shower you with prosperity and comfort. All you have to do is name it and claim it. Now, of course, some of this is part of what God wants for us. God does desire that we experience his goodness, his good things, his abundant life. But how do we know that things are good if we have never tasted the other side? If we've never experienced the valley, how do we really know we're in the mountaintop? Ease and comfort are not inherently bad. We all like them. I like paying full price for Rice Krispies. I do not like generic. I like the luxury of a fresh hand-rolled sushi roll. But comfort and luxury rarely moves me to act. If that's all we chase after in this life, just being comfortable and having it easy all the time, then eventually where we end up is we end up empty and unmoved. 
Comfort rarely moves us to act unless it's for our self-interest. In fact, comfort seldom makes me say, I'm going to change the world. No, I like my slippers laying on the couch watching a football game. Break my heart, O oh God, is a prayer that can snap us out of a rut. The Bible actually shows us a lot of examples where heartbreak actually provides a powerful purpose for someone, motivating them to do or go or be something that they are not normally, to act beyond their own interests. For instance, in the Old Testament, Nehemiah, one of the books of the Bible, Nehemiah lived in the palace of the king in the land of exile. He was the king's cupbearer. This was a relatively comfortable life, except for the one job hazard he had where he had to taste all the king's wine, and if it was poisoned, then the king would know for sure. So that was just one job hazard he had, plus he probably had to taste a lot of terrible wine. But moreover than not, his life was one of comfort and ease. But then he heard bad news about his extended family, his people, and he hears news that their city had fallen apart. The walls were broken down, and they were vulnerable to attack. And something in his heart, in the midst of comfort, sipping the king's wine to make sure he wasn't poisoned, something in his heart changed. He moved in a way where he wasn't even able to stand, the Bible says. He fell to the ground, he cried, and he fasted, and he prayed, and he put his own life at risk to ask the king to be let go so that he could go help his people. And not only did Nehemiah complete the rebuilding, even though he had no construction experience, he actually rallied people to fight for God's justice, to reform their ways and return to the Lord, all because God moved his heart beyond the confines of his comfort and ease. Who here has read or heard the story of Esther, another short book in the Old Testament, of a young woman who becomes queen of Persia. She kept her Jewish nationality a secret because she lived in exile. And while she's queen, she hears of a plot that her people are going to be destroyed. And her uncle says, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. And she secretly asks her people to fast for her because her heart is broken. She doesn't want her people to be destroyed. And she's in this position. And though it is against the law, she will go to see the king. And this is what she says. If I must die, I must die. That's not only bold, but it's all because... God is breaking her heart. She had a heart burdened for her people, and she's willing to give up her life. And we see that thread continue all the way in Scripture, all the way to Jesus, who himself weeps when he sees his city, Jerusalem, and weeps for the people in it that he knows are not receptive to what he has come to offer. They didn't know the peace that was available to them. And his heart was broken, and we know what he did as a result of that. He was moved to act on behalf of humanity and gave up his life for you and me. 
So yes, some of you will have moments where your heart breaks for something or someone in this world. You will have moments that shake you as if you've been awakened from a slumber. Because your God can stir you up in divine ways that you can't simply ignore. Know that when you pray this prayer, God will answer it. Now, I don't know what breaks your heart for the world today. What brings a tear to your eye that you just can't stop? But I do know that certain kinds of heartbreak can move us to act in powerful ways. One of those ways is a small group of people who saw the brokenness of those who were victimized and abused and sold into sex trafficking. And that led this small group of people to form the Home of Hope in India, an anti-sex trafficking initiative to rescue and redeem women and young girls. It led a small group of people in Mexico to start small businesses for women to help rescue them, making jewelry to help support them. It led some, a small group of people to form a network of small farms in the U.S. as a place for women who were rescued to be able to learn to work on these farms and produce products and sell them to help support themselves. I've said before, the last time we had communion, that the communion wafers we use were made by women rescued out of sex trafficking. Or maybe you feel the burden for those who encounter food insecurity or housing affordability or the overwhelming mental health crisis or you have a burden for those in the grip of addiction or the chronic loneliness and isolation and desperation of people young and old. Loneliness is listed as a cause of death in some places. Or you have a burden for children who can't read or don't have healthy food to eat. Or those who are trapped in financial bondage and death and debt. Or children who without a loving or stable home. Or you have a burden for people suffering from mental illness or trauma. Or those who are in the deep grip of depression and crippling anxiety. Or even our hearts can be moved to break the cycle because of our own experience and pain. By recognizing the pain that we have caused others. I've said before that sometimes the points of your greatest pain might also be where God wants to use you the most because you have a particular voice that lends credibility and may actually aid the healing of someone else. Some of you may have a particular burden on your heart right now, a thought that won't go away like an itch that you just can't scratch. Maybe it's right in the middle of your back and never goes away. So the question we can ask ourselves today is, what's stopping you? Who or what are you waiting for to act? If your heart is breaking for the things that break God's heart, don't wait. Some of you might be hesitant to even talk about an idea that you've had, but I want to encourage you that when you start to share what burdens your heart, for the pain that you see in this world, you'd be surprised at how many other people feel similarly. 
And some of those people might even want to join you in an effort, whether it's big or small, to help make a difference in this world. Some of the most impactful initiatives have started as a small grassroots idea. I want to help in this area. This is what I do in my job. I help these, this, this particular situation. Maybe I can expand that into something else. Now, of course, we don't like to have our hearts break. It's excruciating. It's uncomfortable. And like I said before, we, and I'll include me in this, I prefer comfort. But being broken for God's purposes is better than living without one. Than living with no purpose. The Apostle Paul had to learn this lesson in a different way than Jeremiah. And then this is the New Testament in Philippians 3. We know that Paul, before he came to encounter the risen Christ, was a Pharisee who zealously persecuted the first group of Christians. In Philippians 3, he calls himself a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. He's saying, I am the model I obeyed the religious law without fault. I I was so zealous, I harshly persecuted the church. Yet, this is why you always have to keep reading one verse more. Yet, when he experienced the risen Christ, all that was valuable in his eyes before, he now sees as worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He actually goes on and he says, everything that I was before that I thought was valuable, it's not just worthless, it's garbage. Now that's the word in most of our English Bibles. The word is actually a lot stronger. He uses a much stronger word than garbage. Poo. Crap. Some other variations. Or what I saw this morning, what the mangy cats leave in my yard for me to step in. He says, all of that stuff that I thought was so valuable before, that I thought would earn me a place with God, it's nothing. Instead, Paul no longer counts on his own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, he is made righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. See, Paul was on a journey just like we are as well. He had a lot to learn. He thought he had the world all figured out. He was super religious, if that's even a word. And now he says, I have encountered Jesus. All of that is nothing in comparison. So he grows in his faith and he says in Romans 8, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Now, Paul, as a Hebrew, he is so burdened for his people. He wants them to experience what he has experienced with Jesus. And he says this in Romans 9. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people. Why? Because his people are blind to the truth of Jesus. 
In fact, he is so burdened for them, he says, I would be willing to be forever crushed. I mean, cursed. That means cut off from Jesus Christ, if that would save them. He's willing to sacrifice himself for their sake. He is so burdened. In other words, Christ is everything to him. But if he had to spend eternity apart from Christ for the sake of those he loved, he would be willing to do that. That's a hard thing to say. Probably an even harder thing to attempt to do. It was a heartbreaking burden that motivates and moves him to act. And so he goes and does things that I'm sure people who knew him would have never thought that he would do. Going all over the area, planting churches, using the pain that he had experienced and the pain that he had caused to extend the heart of love of God for the world. Last week, the prayer was, Lord, speak to me. So in this moment, what is God speaking to you? I put a couple questions on the back of your bulletin. Some of you like to write things down right away. Some of you need a little bit more time for it to soak or marinate. What burdens do you feel in your heart for the sake of someone or something? What breaks your heart in ways that break God's heart? What causes your heart to burn inside you in a way that you cannot ignore it? I want to encourage you that as you lean into these feelings, as you experience them, this is my prayer for you, that God would grant you strength and boldness to drive you forward with renewed purpose in your life, to pursue what God has already tenderly placed within your heart. I'm certainly willing to have a conversation with you, and I'm sure there are people in this room that would love to talk or chat even more. May his will be accomplished in you. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Church, let's pray. God our Father by the power of your spirit knowing that this is a difficult prayer to pray would you break our hearts for the sake of the world you love loosen comfort's grip so we may courageously follow you wake us and Shake us out of whatever keeps our hearts from yours. When your heart breaks over injustice and pain and violence, will you soften our hearts to break in ways that move us to act? Lord, continue to speak to us. May the burdens we feel within be the fuel that motivates us to make a difference in the world for your sake. God, if there's someone here this morning that especially needs to pray this, to be jolted back into what it means to follow you, because following you is never supposed to be easy, 
then I pray right now that you would infuse them with a spirit of boldness by your spirit's power. Speak the truth they need to hear most dearly and clearly and nearly. Give them faith enough to trust you that when their heart is broken, they are able to draw closer to you than ever before. Broken, but not destroyed. Hurting, but never, ever alone. Father, I pray for your grace to, to sustain us in these days and for your mercy to carry us when we fall or fail. May your strength, O oh Lord, Hear this word. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Church, as we are preparing to be sent back out into the world, we're not going to be sent quite yet. We want to acknowledge Beverly and her 80th birthday. And Beverly has told me several stories about how she never believed where God would send her. And one of the places that God sent you was gave you a burden on your heart to serve and you went to Cameroon and so Hope has put together some uh, wonderful treats over there and uh, we have a, a gift with some Cameroonian coffee for you and uh, a few other treats so we encourage you to, to stick around have a treat uh, say happy birthday to Beverly we have a few other folks that are having birthdays as well and we want to sing happy birthday to you right now okay all right, so let's do this. It's not often that, that you get to turn 80. All right, so we're going to pray. I mean, we're going to sing. wonderful week. Go to in peace to love and serve God. But first, enjoy some comforts.